0: Test, 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 There I am. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. Welcome to those of you over on our campuses in Appleton and Stevens Point, as well as all of you who watch us all around the world on the internet. Glad to have you with us for our very casual, low key Bible study. We go through the Bible one verse at a time. We are now almost to the end of the New Testament. Uh, We are looking at the letter that Peter wrote. Actually, we talk about the books of the Bible. Old Testament tends to be more like books. New Testament, they're basically letters. I mean, you've got the Gospels and the rest of them all letters that they wrote. Uh, So, this is a letter. Uh, They use the word epistle. It's a fancy word for letter, epistle. We just call them letters. Anyway, so we got Peter's first letter. And uh, it's interesting. We talked about this last time as as large as a role that peter played in the gospels uh, there's you hear very little from him in the beginning of the book of acts there was a little bit about him a couple of chapters uh, but then after that you do not really hear much about him so uh, all of a sudden later now this is uh, christianity's been around for you know a few decades here and we finally hear from peter peter's writing now to the church encouraging them uh, to the group of christians that he mentions in the beginning here and uh persecution is starting to become a problem for the church. As we all know well, is at some point it goes crazy. And that's when the Romans start taking them and throwing them to the lions and torturing them. Nero was really one sicko. Uh, He would take uh, select people and uh, dip them in wax and then hang them in his garden and light them as human candles. I mean... He was one sick dude, bad. So a lot of nasty stuff coming. At this point, uh, there's some persecution happening, but uh, there's a lot nastier yet to come, as as we all know. And clearly, they came through it and and did rather well uh, because at the end, uh, Rome turned into a Christian nation. (laughs) The very nation that tried to kill them all eventually um, uh, became Christians. It was kind of really interesting. The moral of that story is love conquers all. That's the good news. The bad news is it can take a long time. (laughs) Right? That's frustrating. Uh, We get impatient. Anybody ever feel impatient? I'm impatient because you took too long to shake your head. Yeah. So, yeah, I got Let's go, 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 go. But uh, anyway. Um, So, anyway, so finally Peter writes. He's writing to these guys. And uh, throughout his first letter, he keeps jumping around talking about how to handle suffering. How do you process suffering? Because they're wondering, why are we suffering? You know, this is so hard. Even though Jesus warned, I mean, at some point, a devout Christian is going to get a lot of grief from people. Uh, so there's always a minor degree of suffering that we have. But not like in other parts of the world where it's outlawed to be a Christian or they'll persecute you or arrest you. And certainly the Middle East, where crazy people will really do awful things to you. But uh, even... Uh, In a country like ours, a safe country, you'll still get a lot of grief. So anyway, in between writing about how to deal with and process this hatred that's coming towards them, he's writing to them basic instructions on how to uh, live the Christian life, which is my favorite parts of the New Testament. There's two, the New Testament's really written kind of in two versions. You've got the theology part, where all the pinheads sit around and argue about whatever it means, that We deal with it. I tell you what I think it means, but my favorite part is just practical Christian living. This is how you deal with people. This is how you deal with a neighbor. This is how you handle a jerk. This is how you (laughs) deal with your kids when you want to strangle them, you know. Here's how to deal with your wife and your husband and your neighbors and your boss and all. That's my favorite part. So uh, we're kind of hitting some of that uh, here. And some of this is some of the rather inflammatory parts of the Bible that we hear about today. We'll see in just a second. Let's pick it up. It's the second chapter of Peter's letter, reminding you, of course, that none of these were written in chapters. They were just letters and all these numbers, chapters and verses were added later, just so you could find out where in the world we're looking. So we are at chapter two, verse three, talking about just basic Christian living. He said, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. Now, here's, <laughs> here's the problem with this verse for Americans is uh, we don't like authority in the first place, right? We love to tell the man to stick it. Leave us alone. And as long as we agree with who's in power, then it will be nice to them. If we disagree with them, if you hate whoever in Congress or President of time, you'd say nasty things to them. It's just part of our culture, quite frankly. At some point, we need to be a little careful, you know, not to get a little too insane. The good news is every four years or so, they throw all these bums out and bring in new bums. So it is what it is. Sometimes you like the bums, sometimes you don't like the bums. What he's saying here is you need to respect the bums. Uh, because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to respect authority. Even if you don't like them. You can, you can disagree with people without being disagreeable. Something we've lost uh, over the last, I don't know, 20 years. I think it's gotten worse and worse. And it's just gotten so nasty. The discourse has gotten so nasty. You just don't agree with them. You hate them. And if you didn't agree with Obama, you hated him. And if you disagree with Trump, you hate him. Everybody just, ah, at each other. And, you know, Christians are not supposed to be getting caught up And all that kind of nastiness, although many of us do. All right. Now, so, he says the purpose of these people to submit to the authority is their God-given right, as any government, is to promote right and to punish wrong. Basically, people breaking the laws and stuff like that. Uh, It gets more and more complicated because at some point, uh, the laws get real crazy. or Sometimes the laws will go against what we believe as Christians. So sometimes, you know, people go back and say, ah, well, you know, but, you know Peter's writing, uh, and, and he didn't have the kind of government we have today. Really, they had horrible governments back then. These people would persecute them and do all kinds of nasty things to them. And what's his response to them? Submit yourself, give him respect, give the man his due so anybody who thinks, well, oh, he, he didn't have to deal with a Democrat or a Republican or whatever, you know, really check your medication, all right? These people dealt with horrible, powerful people, and the more power they had, the more corrupt they were, and the more awful they would treat people. And even in these horrible governments, which eventually turned against Christians in a major way, he says, just respect them, because that's what you're supposed to do. Now, that's a challenge. Now, the question is, to what Degree, you know, and that's some of the stuff that's coming that we're having to deal with even today. Let me finish reading the rest of the sentence here. So he says, whether it's the emperor as a supreme authority or to the governors who are sent to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Uh, in other words, a lot of people are going around saying really bad things about Christians, and and he says it's foolish talk. I mean, some of them were just dumb as bricks. One of the knocks on uh, early Christians is that they said that we were cannibals and the reason they said we were cannibals is because they heard about eating his flesh and drinking his blood communion right well we all know what that means they didn't know what that meant they never heard of such a thing so they would hear these rumors like, these cannibals they eat people you know don't go wrong so I mean it was just one of the reasons that a lot of persecution came because all the ills at some point eventually fall on the Christians they, they like everybody likes to target right to target certain types of people Uh, So anyway, um, uh, it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorance talk of people. Now do good, even in the midst of the craziness that's going on, they were dealing with a lot of crazy. Uh, Be nice to people. Be nice to people. So in the the context of you still being nice, you start to get rid of some of this crazy talk that's going out there. So at what point do you obey the governments? I remember back in the, uh, uh, when the uh, Iron Curtain was still up. Some of you... (laughs) Millennials don't even know what an iron curtain is. A curtain made of iron? No, no it's, it's when the Soviet Union, the Russians controlled all of Eastern Europe. And it was called the Iron Curtain. You couldn't get in. And they really restricted their people. Remember, they uh, built a wall to keep, not people out, as we have walls today, <laughs> but to keep people in. They didn't want people getting out. The Russians didn't want people out. The communists didn't want people getting out. they going go into the West, so... They'd put up these walls and they'd shoot you if you're crossing. You know, you'd hear stories about all that kind of stuff uh, for a long time. But uh, so it was against the law to bring uh, Christian materials into communist countries. Uh, But we would break that law. We would smuggle Bibles and stuff into the country. And, uh, And then some Christians thought that was horrible. You shouldn't do that. The Bible says, respect the authorities. Well, at some point, you know, even when they were persecuting the, Peter and those guys in the beginning, uh, Peter at one point says, look, because they said it's against the law to talk about Jesus. He said, well, you have to decide whether we should obey God or you. So at some point, they will obey the law, but at some point, you tell them to stick it. You know, you're, we're going to live out our faith. And as respectful as you can, we're going to do it anyway and break the law. So our law says to share the love of God with everybody. You run into a country that says you can't do that. As Christians, we basically ignore that law. And uh, some people can't process that because you think you'd always obey these laws. But that's ridiculous. I mean, at some point, uh, you've got to do the right thing. And, uh, and we, did, we didn't do a lot of it. Some of it we, were, we had a Christian band. And uh, what we'd do is we would... Uh, take all these Bibles and stuff and Christian literature, we'd stuff it in the bays of the big bus, and then all around it, we'd pile all this guitar equipment and and sound amps and stuff, so that it looked like it would be a real hassle to unload that to see if there was anything there, and they never did, you know. Uh, I remember the first time we were coming into uh, Crossing the Iron Curtain, everybody was just nervous as a rattlesnake, man, I mean, just all shaking and stuff like that, And, uh, and we all looked guilty. No, this is not good. We should not be looking guilty, right? So uh, we need to lighten up. So uh, I had a banjo, and I got the banjo out and started playing. You get a line, I get a pole, baby. You get a line, I will get a pole, baby. You know that song? We're all, everybody press a light, and they're clapping and stuff like that. We pull up to the border. The border guard jumps on the bus. We're still singing, and he dances all the way down the hall, you know, aisle like this, and spins around, and jumps out and says, okay, you can go. And that was it. They never looked at anything. Uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. So, uh... All right. So he says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves or servants of God. In other words, if you're like in this country, we're free. And a lot of people can use their freedom to just all kinds of bad things. Oh, well, we can do whatever we want. You know, it's a free country. Well, as Christian people, we're not supposed to use that freedom to do bad things. You know, in this country, you can, you can do all kinds of things today. Nobody says anything about it. But as people of faith... We're supposed to have limitations. We're supposed to live as God's servants. We answer to God. Just because you live in a freedom situation doesn't mean you can just do what you can, but at some point you're going to have to answer to God. So um, He said, and again, show proper respect to everyone. Hard for us as Americans. We like to insult all authorities. Uh, and Boy, it's hardwired in us. It really is. As a nation, we're the country that took guns and shot people in the head to get them out of here. The British. Right? Which is really interesting because the Bible says to respect authority. America really was born out of rebellion. Nonetheless, it became a great nation. You know, All these things you balance out, you know. Was it right for them to do that? Uh, and there were a lot of people that really uh, argued hard against it. A lot of people don't know this. I'm in history, I love history. But the first, uh, the American Revolution was closer to a civil war than even against the British. Because it wasn't just that they were fighting the British, half the Americans, half the Americans, wanted to stay with Britain. The other half did not. And they'd be fighting their own countrymen in this battle. So it was real tense, you know, and eventually, uh, we prevailed, but uh, ever since then, we just don't like anybody telling us what to do. And it is what it is, so. But we're supposed to show proper respect. Show proper respect to everyone. By the way, now I've said this before, if a police officer stops you, show some respect. I don't understand these people. Cops pull them over and they start yelling and screaming and cursing at the cop. The man has a gun. <laughs> don't yell at people with guns. Besides, what do you think your chances are of getting off? I get stopped, man. I am kissing butt big time. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Yes, sir. Thank you for what you do. Yes, sir. 90% of the time I get off. Woo-hoo! All right? But even when I get busted and they don't let me off, stay... Respectful. I'll be yelling and screaming at these. Oh, well, I, I, I wasn't going that fast. Really? All right. So, well, I wasn't guilty. I'm sure you were guilty some other time, so just eat it. All right. <laughs> Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. We should love each other. Be kind to each other. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Again, well, I don't like Trump. Well, I don't like Obama. Well, I don't like Clinton. Well, they, these guys, they didn't know what it was like to have. People. Really? You know what these emperors were like? These are horrible men. Honor the emperor. I mean, you approve of them. Just show some respect. Hard for us. I get it. Then he talks about slaves. We don't have slaves today. Uh, We have employees, which are pretty close to slaves. So uh, we'll look at it in terms of employees. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourself to your masters. We would say people working. You got a job. Submit yourself to your bosses, not only to those who are good and considerate, but even to those who are big, fat, stinking jerks. All right? For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. In other words, he's saying it's commendable that if you are being accused of something, you didn't do. We don't like that. I didn't do it. I, I should not I shouldn't. I, I didn't do it. Well, he says, well, good. That's, that's the time you should suck it up. Be respectful. Again, hard for us. I get it. Um, He says, how is it to your credit if you receive a beating, which they don't beat us today, (laughs) but yell at us, for your credit. How's it credit to receive a beating for doing wrong and enduring it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Believe it or not, when you're accused of something you didn't do and you take the heat for it, that's actually a commendable thing. Tough for us. Again, right? We're Americans. Everybody stuff it. We don't like authority. We don't like any kind of authorities. But uh, we need to be a little bit more conscious of that. Um, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at Jesus, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed for all this work that Jesus did on the cross for us. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Chapter 3. Again, remember, they're not really chapters. Just, he just keeps writing. Here's a hot topic. Ha <laughs> ha! Wives! Wives! In the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Ah! Boy, there's something people don't want to hear today. Don't tell me that. I don't. Now, here's the thing about this word. Words change meaning over time. They just do. Words that, you know, I was talking about it, well, a couple of weeks ago, you know, that hope today means more like a wish. You gonna win the lottery. Oh, I hope so. That's not what hope means. Hope means you absolutely know you're going to get it. If you look it up in the dictionary, that's still what it means. Well, now, pretty soon they're going to change the definition because nobody thinks of it in those terms. It means I wish so today. Uh, you know, bad used to be bad, but now if you're really bad, you're really cool, which used to mean cold, but now it means something else. You know, I mean, it's the words change, okay? And translations of the Bible understand that, okay? Uh, for example, we talked about in a, what was it, Philippians or wherever where Paul talked about all his great accomplishments in life And he says, "I think it's just a big pile of scuba, which is the Greek word. This is going to shock some of your ears. Hold on. It literally means shit. That's the closest translation. It literally means. Now, some translations actually get it closer. King James gets it closer. Uh, Calls it dung. All right. Well, of course, now we can't say shit because the Bible says you can't say. Oh, it doesn't say that. You know, I don't. Thou shalt not use the name of shit in vain. I mean, I don't know. It's a. You know, Christians make up shit. To be honest with you, you know, and I." I don't know where this stuff comes from. But, of course, you can't say that today because of our sensibilities. Oh, we're Christians, we can't say so now, they translate rubbish, which isn't anywhere close to what the original word was. All my accomplishments I consider rubbish. Like some British guy, rubbish, what a bunch of rubbish. Who even uses the word rubbish? When was the last time you used the word rubbish ever? What a bunch of rubbish. So they got to use that word because, oh, well, you don't want to use that word today. So they go like crazy, all right? When Paul wrote about these Christians who were trying to force the Jewish Christians who were trying to force the non-Jewish Christians to get circumcised, he said, I wish they would go the whole way and cut their wieners off. Now, you can't say that today because you can't talk about wiener cutting. Right? So the new translators, well, I wish they would emasculate themselves. Nobody even knows what the word means. It means cut your wiener off. He, why would he say that? Because he's he's, he was mad. Because when he circumcised, you cut off the end. He says, we, we, we like to cut, them, cut the whole thing off. That's a little intense. We can't say that today. Oh, you can't talk that way. We're people of God. We're religious. We're too religious to even have wieners. So we can't even talk about those things. <laughs> Which is a bunch of scuba. All right? So seeing that we're aware that words have meanings, there is a word that is highly offensive today. It's the word submit. The word submit sounds abusive, domineering, cruel. That's not what he's talking about. You'll see he uses that very same word in other contexts and no one even raises Oh, that's fine. But when in the context of a husband and wife today, it's highly inflammatory. I don't know when these guys are gonna stop using this word in translations, because in the English language, this is highly offensive, just like the word "scubula" in plain English is highly offensive to people. They don't use that word either. What they really ought to do is say, listen to, all right? For example, if you're an employer, and you come into your employer and say, you guys need to submit to me, you're gonna get sued. You can't tell people that. What does the boss say? Y'all need to listen. Everybody needs to listen. If a mother yells at the father because the kid's driving him crazy, the dad says, guys, listen to your mother. This is how we communicate. You see what I'm saying? Everybody understands listening. You don't go around telling people to submit to you and children submit, you you know. It just sounds awful. It just, again, it didn't. When this was written, it wasn't offensive in the English language hundreds of years ago. Today, now it's, it's just flat out offensive and I wish they would quit using it. What it means is to be respectful. Listen, what you saying, wives, listen to your husbands. And you'll see in a second here that he turns that around toward the husbands. So it's not nearly as horrific as people say, oh, man, get to push women around and abuse. No, 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 no. And by the stinking way, He says, wives do this. He never says, husbands, make sure your wives submit. There is a religion that does say that. It's called Islam. Read it in the Quran. Men, make sure your wives submit to you and beat them if necessary. Hey, that's what they teach, all right? Now, As much as people try to say Christians think in the same light, we do not. We never have. And it never says, husbands, ensure your wives submit. It's not talking, my husband should mind their own stinking business. In my opinion, a man should never, ever, 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 am I getting close? (laughs) To my, ever tell his wife to submit. You should never do that. Shut up. Okay? The Bible doesn't say, husbands, make sure your wives submit. It's writing to the girls. Girls, respect your husbands. Listen to what they have to say. That's the context, okay? And then likewise, the women shouldn't be taking verses, pointing to the husbands, and sticking it in the guys' faces. In other words, read your own mail, okay? Read your own mail. If it says wives do such and such, let the wives worry about that. Well, I think she's not Well, that's between her and God. Well, she ain't doing it perfectly. Really? I bet you're not doing yours perfectly either. How about you zip it, Skippy, okay? Don't do that. Now there's a lot of Christians, guys, who disagree with me, and they can stick it as far as I'm concerned. And that's not in the Bible. <laughs> Should be, though, somewhere. has gotta. I need to do my own translation. <laughs> the insulting version of the Bible by Mark Unger. Alright? So. Do this, listen to your husbands, so that if any of them don't believe the word, in other words, if they're not Christians, they can be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Okay? Now, a couple of things here. First of all, he's saying, be respectful, be nice, listen, show some deference, okay? Oh, I don't want to, well, that's because everybody's such a jerk today. Stop. No one's going to die if you listen and respect somebody. All right? And if your husband is a non-Christian, and you're a Christian, by being a really nice wife, maybe you'll have the chance to influence them for the kingdom of God. Everybody gets that, right? You know? That'd be nice. My husband's not a Christian. I remember one pastor. <laughs> he was talking to this lady. A friend, she had quite the edge to her. <laughs> and uh, she said, Pastor, my husband's not a Christian. He said, Honey, if I was your husband, I wouldn't be a Christian either. Because some people can be really jerks, really nasty, really. Ah. I was on a Christian radio station once being interviewed, and this lady calls up. I have a prayer request, you know. Okay, what's your prayer request? My husband won't let me read the Bible to him. So the host is about to pray. Okay, let's pray. I said, right, wait a minute. The host was shocked, you know. <laughs> let me ask you a question. What do you mean he won't let you read the Bible? To there's two ways you can read the Bible. You can either read the Bible and how much God loves and cares for him, or you can read the Bible to him and tell him what a failure he is. Which do you do? She goes, the latter. At least she was honest, right? I'm praying for your husband. Leave him alone. Instead of go around quoting the Bible. You know, don't do that. And if you know Christians who have unsaved husbands, non-Christian husbands, don't tell them to quit trying to shove the Bible down their throats. You know, one of the craziest things I've seen is Christian women who try to get their non-Christian husbands to tithe. Really? You want your non-Christian husband to cough up 10% of his check to the church? (laughs) Yeah, lots of luck with that. You know? Well, we're supposed to do it. No, he's not a believer. Leave him alone. Besides, most Christians don't even do that. For heaven's sake. You make any of your own money? Well, then tithe off of that. You worry about what you do. uh, Everybody's so obsessed about what everybody else does. Remember Jesus said, these guys going around, they're they're, they're trying to take the speck out of somebody else's eye. And they're walking around with a big log in their own eye. (laughs) Jesus said, take care of your own eye. In other words, stay it. All right, that's my translation. Quit, leave, leave people alone. Quit trying to get everybody else to straighten out. Worry about yourself, for heaven's sakes. So, try to win them over, and this is offensive to women. This is worse than the word submit. Two words, win them over without words. (sighs) Now, if there is one thing women love, it's words. They love words. Oh, I love the words. Oh, they're so pretty words, and they're wonderful words. Yeah, yeah, listen, amen, that's right. You know why, why a lot of women love their pastors? Because we're very good with words. Some of you oh, gee, what a nice guy. That's yeah, because you don't live with me, and you know how irritating I can be, all right? But I'm very good with words, oh, words. Oh, I love words. So they're always coming, Pastor, what can I say to make my husband do this? Pastor, what can I say to make him do this? What can I say? Stop. What does the Bible say? Without words. In other words, zip it. Don't be going around sticking words into some guy's... See, see, the problem here is people don't mind their own stinking business. And besides, there are no words. There are no words. You girls are, oh, pastor, my husband, you know, you know, gambles all our money away. Well, what can I say? There's nothing you can say. You can kick him out of the house, lock the door. My husband flirting with other women. What should I do? Smack him upside the head. You know, pass my husband, this, that, and the other. But these women, they don't stand up to these guys. You know? It's simple. I'm supposed to submit. No, no, no. No, no, no. That doesn't mean it's abusive when you let some guy run over you with a truck. Do you understand me? You girls. I hope you guys don't upset about this. but They don't have to put up with nonsense from men. Some guys being abusive, being a jerk, a Christian woman shouldn't have to tolerate any of that nonsense. What words? There are not words. There's, you know, men understand consequences. I've said this many times. They understand consequences. If you're, I'm, not, I'm not talking about, gee, he doesn't pick up his underwear. He doesn't talk to me enough. I'm not talking about that. You know, he, he, he doesn't listen to me when I talk. Yeah, I Can't imagine that. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. He stretches his butt in public. I know. It's what we do. All right. Who cares? I'm talking bad behavior. He smacks you around. He curses you and calls you a biatch, or the shorter word. Rhymes with witch. You don't think of what it is. Huh? He does this. He does that. He looks at porn right in front of me and insults me. What, what can I say? I had a lady call me. <sighs> she sets up an appointment three weeks before I can get to her because I got things to do. She comes out. What's, what's the problem? Well, I, I, my husband took pictures of his willy and emailed it to another woman. Now, apparently, this is a big deal today. Now, I'm as a man who has done sports with other men and showered, you know. I have never seen a good-looking willy in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not one time. I have never, ever, under any sense, sort of one. Now that that's a good-looking willy. I've never thought that. What in the world these guys are thinking? Taking a picture of that thing and emailing it to somebody? How they think? Of, I've talked to women that they will you know online dating, and as soon as they contact, he says hi, oh, I'm Larry, and then he shows up, sends a picture of his Willie. Right? You've seen this. It's like, first of all, ew, and these guys think this is attractive to women. No, it's horrifying. <laughs> There's one of the things I want to say, but I get myself in trouble. I can't do it. Oh, okay, Mark, go on. Anyway, so he took a picture of his Willie and emailed it to another woman, and the other said, "What'd you say to him?" "Oh, I didn't say anything. I want to meet with you first, seriously." You're waiting for three weeks of him with this kind of behavior with another woman? He's your husband? And you don't have the backbone to smack him over the head with his computer? (laughs) And you're waiting for me to say, what words can I say? What words can I say? What words, Pastor? What words? Oh, I love words. (laughs) Now, what I'm about to say is highly, highly inflammatory but I'm going to say it anyway because I'm out of control. All right? <laughs> Do you know what religion uses words to control the behavior of other people? Can you think of it? They're called incantations, spells. They're witches, literally witchcraft. Witchcraft. That's the whole thing of witchcraft. They find words that incantation control other people. When you talk about what words can I do to change somebody, you're not thinking like a Christian. You're thinking like a witch. <laughs> I have Newton wing of bat. How dare he say that I'm so fat? What can I say, Pastor? <laughs> All right, now I know you're really mad at me. All right. Don't write me. I don't want to hear it. Okay, so... What is he saying? Win them, again, two words, without words. You got some guy who's really acting bad, bad, badly, consequences. And if you're not sure what consequences you need to bring, come talk to us. We'll walk you through it. Or here's some advice. You girls, go find another woman. You, you always think you got to come to some man. to help. You don't need some man to help you, all right? Just go to a woman who has a great marriage. Go to a woman who has a great marriage and ask her what she would do if her husband did that, <laughs> listen to her response. But here's the problem. A lot of you girls who are in great marriages, when girls come tell you their horror stories, you go into puppy dog mode. Oh, what a cute puppy. Oh, oh. I'm talking to a lady in the hall over here. This lady tells her this horrible, he's cheating on herself like that. I said, what'd you say to her? She said, oh, I "Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I said, stop that. She went, what? I said, let me ask you. What would you do if your husband did that? She said, oh, I'd knock his head off. That's what you say to them. You don't go into puppy dog. Oh, what a terrible thing. Oh, oh, Find a woman who has a great marriage. Tell her your problem. Say, what would you do if your husband did that? Listen to what she says. The women in great marriage do not tolerate this kind of nonsense. They'd lock the doors, they'd call the police, they'd kick him out, they'd hop in the car, go live with mom for a while, whatever. You don't tolerate outrageous behavior, destructive, violent, sexual unfaithfulness, none of that stuff. You don't put up with that nonsense. And anybody who tries to tell you, as a Christian wife, well, you should just tolerate that, get away from them. Because they are out of their ever-loving minds. It never results in change. There is a thing in the Bible called confrontation. Confrontation. Well, let's just pray about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus said, you see someone who's doing really bad things, you go to them once, you go to them twice, the third time you take the leaders of the church, and if he still does not listen, you kick him out, don't have anything to do with him." It. It's called confrontation. How come Jesus didn't say pray about it? See, this idea that everything, just oh, we just pray about it. Well, you should pray about it. I get we shall pray about it, but that's not an excuse to run from confrontation. There's a whole lot of peace-oriented people in Christianity today that are afraid of confrontation in any way, shape, or form. And I've told this story a dozen times. I'll say it again. There's one guy who comes in the church. He's telling I feel so guilty. Pastor, will you pray with me? I said, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean you feel guilty? Well, I moved here from Texas and I'm living with some other man's wife. Well, you should feel guilty. I ain't praying for you. I'll pray for you to stop it. I said, what are you doing? I said, did your friends know you were coming here to do that? You're Christian friends? He said, yeah. What would they say to you? He said, well, just pray about it. Pray about it. Pray about it. How about, I'm thinking about stabbing you. Will you tell me to pray about it? You know, I mean, come on. At some point, we have to have some backbone. When someone's doing something obviously crazy, you tell them, that's crazy. Don't do that. It's a cop-out to just tell people to pray about things when you don't have the courage to confront bad behavior. Again, we're not talking little stuff. I'm talking major, major bad behavior. You confront it. You stand up to it and you stick your face in its face and say no. Lord of the Rings, you watch this movie? Anybody watch this movie? Yeah. I love that scene where this big demon's chasing Gandalf. And remember he turns around and he throws down his staff and says, you shall not bear. Oh, it's such a cool part of the movie. The demon goes, ah! At some point, we look at bad behavior and say, no! Doesn't mean you have to be mean and nasty about it, but you just sitting there trying to find words isn't going to help. Anyway, try and win them without words by by your behavior. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, hopefully that will win them over. And then he says this. Now, this has been debated quite a bit uh, for some time. Uh, your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles, the wearing of gold, jewelry, fine clothes. Oh, the Bible says women shouldn't wear that. That's not what he says. He says your beauty should not come from that. What he says is your beauty rather should be that of the inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight, Uh, This is how the way holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They worried more about what was the inside than the outside. It doesn't say you can't wear that stuff. I remember, (laughs) you know, in the 40s and 50s, Christians would argue about whether or not it was okay for women to wear makeup. It was a big deal. I know some of you geezers remember those days, right? Women shouldn't wear makeup. What do you think, pastor? I say if the barn needs painting, you paint the barn. All right, that's right. Do whatever you got to do. I like the girls. I like the pretty girls with the hair and the makeup. You all look so pretty. That's great. That's fine. It's not prohibited. It's just that shouldn't be your source of beauty. Your real source of beauty should be on what's on the inside. And any man who has any 10 cents worth of a brain when he's dating a woman won't just be looking at the outside. He's looking at the inside. Look what's behind those eyes, Okay. She might be pretty on the outside. She might be the devil on the inside. All right. She might be sweet on the outside. But... You know, as soon as she doesn't get her way, get away from her. All right. Oh, she just had a bad day. Right. Get away from her. All right. Rather, it should be your inner self. That oh, I just read that. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, They submitted themselves to their own husbands. Again, we got culture going here, but respect to the husband. Like Sarah, this is going to be really outrageous. Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham by calling him her Lord. You mean we have to call our husbands Lord, Tracy? You need to make sure that woman calls you Lord. All right. Now it's just again, five thousand years ago. Apparently, that's how people interacted with each other. All right. I don't know. That's just there's culture that's going here. If my wife would have, if I ever told her, you need to call me Lord, she'd have killed me. (laughs) Buried me in the backyard in a shallow grave. And no jury would have ever convicted her. You are her daughters if you do us right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, now, talking to the boys in the same way. Everybody say same. Same way. They was have this, this idea that, oh, power oh, goes to the men. Really? Paul was never into that. Peter wasn't into that. The Bible's not into that. He's talking about the sense of respect and all this other. In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them at, with respect. Respect. What? I thought, you know, because usually in Christianity, the only verses that were quoted are out of uh, uh, Ephesians, the fifth chapter, where it says men should... Love their wives. Women should respect their husbands as if men don't have to respect their husbands. No, of course they do. Men have to respect just like they. Everybody's got to respect each other. Here Peter brings it out. You need to respect your wives. As the weaker partner, that's a hot topic today, you know. Uh, but you're not talking in terms of intelligence. You're just talking literally of physical. Uh, most men are physically stronger than women. Not all. There are some women who could beat the snot out of me. But then I'm not very big. <laughs> all right? but that's, that's all it's talking about. They're heirs of, with you with the gracious gift of, God, of life. You know what that means? They are equal. They are equal. Christianity was the first religion ever to put men and women on the same plane. Those who say Christianity encourages the subjugation of women and that women are inferior, they don't know what they're talking about. They're just repeating some vomit they heard from somebody else. Christianity has never been like that. There are religions, a whole lot of them, where the woman is always on a lower scale than a man. But not Christianity. Christianity, the first religion came along and said, there is no difference between male and female before God. And here he's talking about the structure in the home, about treating with each other, respect and stuff like that. But he has a, you are heirs together of the gift of life. Joint heirs. A joint error means I get as much money as the other error. All right? It's good preaching, Pastor. Thank you. <laughs> I got one amen. All right. I'm rolling now, baby. Now, why should you do this then? Why should you do this? He writes, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. A lot of people, I should do a whole sermon on Sunday morning sometime about why people don't get their prayers answered. You're supposed to be getting your prayers answered. That's one of the neat things about walking in the Christian faith, is that God actually answers your prayers. People all over the world pray. Most people don't see anything. A person walking in faith with Christ tends to notice answers to prayer in their lives. How many of you noticed that when you first gave your heart to Jesus, all sudden, man, all of a sudden, prayers are getting answered. It's like, is this cool? But then they hit spots where the prayers aren't getting answered anymore. And there's a whole host of reasons for it. This is one of them. What he's basically saying is if you're not getting along with her, it's going to hinder your prayers. But it's her fault. Yeah, well, work it out, Skippy. Because if you guys aren't getting along, it's going to start shutting off the valve of blessing to you. Get along with each other respect each other, be kind to each other, read your own mail, work on your own stuff, focus on your own issues, and don't be trying to correct the issues of your husband or of your wife. And everybody said? There we go. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. None of those are my strong points, i got to tell you right now. Except humble, I'm extremely humble. I'm proud of how humble I am. Uh, to, to, but we've got to work on it, you know? Apparently, I have issues. <laughs> Anybody else have issues out there? <laughs> Things to work on. All of that I need to work on. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Now, that's hard because there is this point of confronting bad behavior. People will use that and say, well, see, it says that. You can't confront Well, you can confront it but without being harsh or nasty but at some point you got to stand up the one thing evil needs to triumph in your life is don't confront it it's why there's armies in the world you know Uh, look what happened with with adolf hitler everybody tried to make peace with him remember uh some of you history buffs chamberlain who was the prime minister of great britain at the time some of those old news reels, you'll see Chamberlain coming off a plane, waving that piece of paper. Oh, I signed a peace treaty with Adolf Hitler. He promised not to invade Poland and Czechoslovakia. How'd that work out? <laughs> not good. Nobody challenged him. Nobody challenged him. And finally the world stood up to him. Worst war ever. Do you know there were a hundred million people killed in World War II? A hundred million. It boggles. We're not talking wounded. We're not talking displaced, terrorized, homeless. We're talking dead. A hundred million. Most of them civilians. Unbelievable conflict. That's what happens if you don't confront stuff. Now. Everybody argues about today. Well, when should we confront war? And I get that. But one of the reasons why governments uh, and, and presidents, too, both Democrat and Republicans, they're fairly quick to send bombs around the world at times. One of the knocks as I travel around the world, you Americans, you always bomb people. Why, why do you always bomb people? Well, first of all, because we can. <laughs> Sucks to be you. But uh, the reason is they know that if you don't stand up to aggression, It gets out of control, okay? Some are better. You know, some maybe are too aggressive. Some, the last one I thought wasn't aggressive enough. That's how the little ISIS thing got. That's my personal opinion. Don't write me. I don't care about your politics, all right? But that's how ISIS and everything got totally out of control. You don't stand up to that stuff. It gets crazy. At some point, you have to stand up, all right? Having said that, don't try to repay evil with evil, Standing up to doesn't mean that it's evil. All right? On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Try to be nice. Look for a way out. Look for peace. Look for resolution with people. But don't think that, you know, because the Bible in many places in the New Testament talks about getting in people's faces that are out of line. It is what it is. So, because of this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil, do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. All quotes from the Old Testament. Then he goes on. He says, now who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear the threats. Don't be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. So again, he's talking to them how to deal with People threatening them. Because persecution is just starting to ramp up. You saw them how to respond to it. Uh, here's a good uh, verse. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. In other words, every single person of faith should be able. If someone says, well, why do you believe what you believe? You should be able to answer that question. If you say, I don't know how to answer that question, well, come talk to us. We'll certainly show you how to do it. But every person of faith should be able, because if you live out your faith at some point, you're going to be different than other people, and they're going to notice there's different. And when you should be full of fear, you're not. And when you should be crying, you're not. And and at some point, people are going to ask, why why are you the way that you are? What sets you apart? And we all need to be ready. You should all, because those are opportunities to uh, share God's love. You have to remember, for some people, the closest they'll ever get to Jesus is you. You're the the most Jesus some people will ever see, you know. Now, it's hard because people irritate us and, you you know, (laughs) they cut in front of you in line and you want to wave to the, we're number one finger at them, you know. Uh, But be nice to people. All right, so, um, but do this with gentleness and respect, okay? Don't insult people when you're sharing your faith. Keep a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it's better that if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Again, he's talking about how to handle suffering. Okay? Um, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God, the ultimate sacrifice. He takes your sins, he gives you his righteousness. Man, why would you say no to that deal? It's like someone saying, you know what? I'm going to give you all my money and I'm going to take all your debt. How many of you would sign that paper? That's basically what Jesus does. He comes, he's going to give you all of his riches and he'll take all your debts, all your sins, all your failures. It is the best deal of a lifetime. All right? So, uh, he was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit after being made alive, talking about his resurrection, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. What's he talking about? He's referring to all these people who had died uh, before Jesus came. And there were people who did the right things, obviously those who did bad things. And what he's saying is Jesus at some point went and proclaimed uh, righteousness and the good news to all these people who had done all these bad things that are waiting that see what happens when everybody dies you either go to be with Christ in your spirit your body's still dead someday that'll come back uh, or you go to a place you know Hades or whatever is it, what's that like I don't know is it fire I don't know it sounds awful to me I don't care if it's just having to listen to a politician all day long it would be horrible to me Whatever it is, it's a bad place. And he actually went and spoke to all these people. After all the rejection, God, they didn't do what God said, and they rebelled, and the world was extremely violent before the flood, the Bible says. It was a horrible, horrible time. You can imagine how violent people are today. It was so bad, God had to wipe the whole thing out. That's how out of control it was. It had to be. It doesn't give us the details, but man, you can let your mind run at how horribly people can, can treat each other. And so that's what he's talking about. When Jesus died, where did he go? Well, in his spirit, he went down to this place where all these people are waiting. Pretty wild. What would he say? <laughs> I don't know. I'm glad I wasn't there. To those who were disobedient, blah, 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 blah. And then it talks about Noah and the ark that was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water, which is amazing. You know, all this time, only eight people the rest of them all perished. This water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but from a pledge of clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I said, Well, now wait a minute, you're not making sense. I thought he said we get saved by baptism. Now here's the thing that Christians have argued for many, 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 many years, intensely since the last five hundred years since the Reformation, is do you get saved when you get baptized? Because it says here that baptism saves you. You know, it's real interesting. Um, I was talking to some people once about this. There's a lot of different verses in the Bible that talk about, talk about what it means to be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. That's the favorite one evangelicals like to use. But by just saying that, you miss the other parts. Well, you need to repent and believe. Stop doing what you're doing. The really horrible things and nasty things you know are wrong. Stop and believe in the Lord Jesus. Uh, And then other ones say, you need to repent and be baptized and believe in the Lord Jesus. I mean, there's all kinds of different versions. And then it says, those who endure to the end will be saved. Everybody argues, well, which is it? Which is it? I say, just do it all. (laughs) Do it all. Do it all. Why would you mess with it? Says you should be baptized? Yes, I'll get baptized. Says you need to believe. Yes, I'm going to believe. You need to quit being a jerk to me. Okay, I'll stop it. You know, you need to admit that you're, that you're wrong and you're a sinner. Yes, okay, I'm the worst one. Whatever, whatever it takes. All these things. Instead of arguing about, well, which one is it? Why, where's all of the above? All of the above. You need to do all of the above. Well, I don't want to. Well, lots of luck with that. You can tell God why he's wrong. All right. All uh, right. Saved by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Therefore, since, and by the way, notice he uses the word submission, uh, angels and authority in submission to Jesus. You think Jesus is going around bossing them around and insulting them? See, that's not what submission means. Angels are submissive to Christ. That's because they fear him, they're going to, and he yells and screams, somebody go get me something to drink, I'm thirsty. You know, that's not what he's doing. All right? only for some reason in the marriage thing everybody goes nuts on it uh, there's a lot the Bible actually says it, in, in, uh, in Ephesians the fifth chapter Paul says everyone should be submissive to, you should all submit to each other what does it mean just deference oh, you go first that's what it means it's not oppressive okay when, when you say you know the last piece of pizza well, go ahead you eat it it's stuff like that it's just be nice to people submit to one another let other people ahead of you. Slow down. Let the guy cut in front of you. You're going to die, right? Because someone cuts in front of you. Some idiot today. <laughs> it should have been nice, but I wanted to run him over. But I have issues. All right. But he's having a fit because I'm pulling in front of him. So he pulls up as tight as he can so I can't get in. I'm getting in. I don't care. We're going to crash and roll around. That's all I'm going to find. Finally, when he saw I was serious, he pulled back. And, Drows by, doesn't even look at me. Really? I would have cost him two-tenths of a second. More than someone can bear. People need to relax. All right, so since Christ suffered in the body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Why? Because he's writing these people about the suffering deal. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. What does that mean? (laughs) I don't know. I couldn't find anybody who knows. I get a kick out of reading these theologians, you know. it's so what's great to it used to be you could spend hours with these big fat reference books, you know. And all that we did, you know, even ten years ago. You all want to find out you had to get these big books and cross-reference, and you spend hours. The great thing about today, you can Google and get an answer in three seconds. So I like reading all these theologians, and they all act like they know the answer, and they don't. You can tell they don't know what the answer is. They're doing all kinds of intellectual hoops and jumps they don't know I don't know what the deal is why can't you just say I don't know what does that mean I don't know I have no idea what he's talking about this whole thing this whole section ends with I don't know what he's talking about well parts of it I do but I mean <laughs> I'll show you let's keep it verse 6 I don't understand so anyway verse 1 he who suffers in the body is done with sin I don't know what. nobody knows what that means what does that mean there's all kinds of people who, sin, who suffer and they're terrible sinners Right? Just because you suffer doesn't mean you don't I don't know what he's talking about. And I couldn't find anybody who does, so we'll just put that in the I have no idea category. As a result, they do not live the rest of their life, uh, of their earthly lives, for human desires, but rather for the will of God. Why? Because they suffered? Again, I don't know what he's talking about. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose choose to do. This I understand. (laughs) What do pagans do? Living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, testable idolatry. You can add, you know, all kinds of stuff to that list. You know, that's, he's saying, this is what you guys used to do. That was the culture of the day. They were pagans. They lived among pagans. These people were really, really, really out of control. And this stuff that we think, oh, gosh, you would do all that, they did constantly. And our country is getting more and more pagan. It's just, just don't live that way. You used to live that way. Don't live that way they're surprised that you do not join them in the reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. Some of you have experienced that. You had friends that used to party with big time, and then you quit, and they don't like you, and they start insulting you, and what's wrong with you? But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might... Be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. What is he talking about? I don't know. That's verse six. That's another one of those verses. And again, if you doubt me, Google us and listen to them do all these intellectual, they don't really know. Here's the thing about some of these letters. It's like if I write you a letter. Don, if I wrote you a letter and we were buddies at hanging, I might, might make references to things that you know what I'm talking about. But someone else would, what does that mean? You have to some of these letters, uh, there's parts of that in there. Now, I don't know that that's necessarily here, but based on conversations and stuff like they had, he was, oh, oh yeah, I know what he's talking about. That kind of thing, all right? Remember, you're looking at a conversation that people are having 2,000 years ago. Most of it is crystal clear. People say, oh, the Bible's hard to understand. It's not hard to understand. Very, very clear. All of this is very clear. Every once in a while, you run into something, what, you go, what? And I just say, move on. Then he goes on. He says, the end of all things is near. That's what they really believe. They thought the whole world' was coming to an end very quick. When they said, "When Jesus said, "I'm coming back," they thought he was coming back right away, like I'm out for a gallon of milk." Seriously, do you remember what the first Christians did? You remember? They sold everything they had, and they all lived in a big giant commune. Christians were the first communists. <laughs> Not the version of communism that we see today in the world, but they literally they were the first ones? They all lived in this great big thing, and they all sold everything, and they all lived off the money, off the stuff that they all sold. And, uh, but that only lasted for a while. But why did they do that? Actually, actually, they got to a point where they were fighting over stuff. That's when deacons came along. The yeah. Deacons were put in the church to keep people from fighting over stupid stuff. Who gets more food than the other guy? That, that lady gets more food than this lady over here. That ain't right. So they're kind of getting on each other's nerves. Can't imagine. But why did they do that? Because they all thought he was coming back like right away. Seriously, if you all knew beyond a sh- in your mind, I would say to be wrong. But if you knew in your mind, was some guy recently on the paper, I saw that somebody said the rapture was happening on a certain day. The 24th of this month? Okay, let's say you really believe that. The whole thing is done. We're out of here. Man, I'm, I'm running up my credit card. <laughs> I don't got to pay it off. Woo-hoo! You know, or, or if you think it's like five, six months from now, why well, keep what you got? We're getting out of here. Let's all sell this stuff and we'll, we'll all get together. You know, see, you know, that was their thinking. Then at some point, they came to a reality check and thought, apparently this is going to take a while. Well, now we're decades into Christianity and so Peter saying, look, the end is near. Well, not as near as he thought. We're still here 2,000 years later. Now, will this all come to an end at some point? Absolutely, absolutely. This will not continue forever. At some point, God will have had enough of our craziness on this on this rock and it's all going to come to an end. You say, when is that going to happen? I have no idea. The point is, live in a way that you're not worried about it. That's what really the Bible teaches. Live in a way that you can be ready. If all of a sudden the end comes for everything. And here's the other thing. The end can come to anybody at any time. You know, I'm not worried about the end of the world. I'm not worried about the end of Mark. Seriously. Have you seen me drive? I get so sidetracked. I'm in airplanes all the time. See that airplane the other day, the engine blew up? Lady got sucked out the window. Oh, man. That would be an awful day. Oh, my gosh. he said blood was everywhere. I mean, it was a freak thing, but you don't know. You all go around thinking, oh, nothing will happen to me. Really? You don't know. How about you live like this could be your last day? Because if we really thought this could be our last day, some of us would be acting differently we'd be more kind to people than we are we'd forgive people that we haven't forgiven and you know that's the way that we should live so anyway he says the end of all things is near therefore be alert and sober mind so that you can pray above all love each other deeply that's hard because there's people that are incredibly unlovable but you gotta love each other anyway Why would you love each other deeply? Because love covers over a multitude of sins. I preach that, what time is it? That clock back there is not. Oh, I see it. Oh, I should have shut up two minutes ago. All right, I'll pick it up from here next time. Next Wednesday night about this covering up the multitude of sins. This is very, very interesting because a lot of people don't do that their whole thing is to point out everything everybody does wrong. Real love doesn't do that. The mini version of it is we need to live in a way that if something, somebody does something that you don't approve of, you just ah, just let it fly. Who cares? He was rude. All right. He had a bad day. You know what I'm saying? Just love covering stuff. Let, we should be in a, in, in a hurry to cover each other's weaknesses and instead of always pointing everyone out. But I'll pick up on that next week. Let's end in prayer and then we'll be done. Father, thank you for your word and for your truth. Help us to learn from it and help us to grow. A lot easier to talk about these things than to live them, but help us to live them and help us, Lord, to uh, be kind to people, to each other, to mind our own business, be more focused on our behavior and less on the behavior of others. Nonetheless, help us to have the courage to stand up to really bad behavior and not think that there's some quick answer to those things. We need to be able to confront uh, bad things in a loving way in hopes that people will change their behavior. But at the end of the day, may everything that we do be marked by, overwhelmingly, by the fact that we love people. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, Amen. All right, God bless you guys. See you someday.